Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with EY and all about the coming convergence of InsureTech and Captives. My name is Richard Kutcher and joining me for the next 20 minutes is Mikhail Rabstein, partner at EY and America's Captive Insurance Services co-leader for the firm, and Hong Guo, EVP and Chief Insurance Officer at InsureTech Arbol. I'm expecting this to be the first of several episodes this year focusing on developments in InsureTech and where we could see lots of new opportunities for captive innovation. And we should have some exciting news to share on this topic in the coming weeks and months. But in this episode, Mike and Hong share some high-level observations of the kind of activity we are already seeing, the opportunities that remain, and an introduction to Arbol itself. So first, Hong introduces himself, his business, and his interest in captives. My name is Hong Guo. I joined this company, Arbol, a year ago after spending almost 30 years in the insurance reinsurance industry. Uh, before joining Arbo, I spent 24 years at Guy Carpenter, New York. My role at Arbo is the chief insurance officer responsible for implementing our insurance strategy products to support what Arbo offer. And Arbo is an insure tech, as you know. We specialize in parametric products and uh, the area we, where we provide solution uh, is primarily in the climate risk solution. Obviously, we are a technology company. We leverage technologies in uh, AI underwriting, uh, in a full digital, uh, end-to-end digital process, and also a smart contract. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Hong. And we're going to talk in a bit more detail about Arbor a little bit later towards the end of the episode about exactly kind of what you guys are doing and how you're working with captives uh, specifically. Mike, really glad to do this episode on, on InsureTech. I think we're going to be doing lots of InsureTech content this year regarding captives. What genuine examples of InsureTech innovation do we already have in the market that we can identify that have been embraced by captives or, atta- or established using uh, captive structures and, and that are already proven valuable? Thanks, Richard. It's it's interesting because if we look uh, and dial back a few years, insurtechs started to appear starting from about 10 years ago in various forms. And as companies develop more and more technology platforms, more and more innovative solutions in the insurance space, it all circled around technology. So the word insurtech started to incorporate a lot of different things from the more the kind of more basic ones way back when to very sophisticated and companies such as Arbol. Uh, being one of them, very sophisticated models, whether it's underwriting model, was prediction model, AI, smart contracts, and things like that in its uh, process. However, we see a lot of companies are now entering the market, especially in the niche places like warranty, like auto. So they pick a particular type of insurance, or maybe a couple of uh, insurance lines, and really understand what drives the underwriting process, what customers want in terms of efficiency platforms, how quickly can they get from the underwriting process to the claim process, how the contracts are structured, and how the company can truly drive the underwriting results by eliminating some of the brick-and-mortar processes that insurance companies are known for. So we see a lot of innovation in some of the lines that are more subject to being predicted using telematics and some of the other processes. And that's where we see insurtechs really starting to gain a lot of traction across the board. 
yeah, and you, you, you kind of touched on, you kind of um, hinted at it there, the, the commercial reinsurance marketplace is kind of beset with legacy challenges. That seems to have been the obstacles that has really hindered faster innovation and, and uptake of, of use of technology. And sim similarly, many very large, you know, old or mature, sophisticated captives have uh, similar challenges as well. But do captives, and particularly this new generation of captives being formed right now, Hong, do you think they have an opportunity to embrace insurtech products, um, the st startups, and, and fundamentally shift the captive, the old captive proposition and, and operating model? Do you think the technology is giving us new opportunities? Sure. When we look at how insurtech getting into the insurance space, in, they started in the commercial side, and by bringing efficiency, efficiency uh, that being digital marketing, digital products, and uh, digital process. So the whole digitization is the value proposition. And then now nowadays we see uh, InsurTech dive in in, in underwriting, in uh, products, in other areas. I would expect similarly for InsurTech to come into the captive space. But given captive is such a diversified space, you have a different type of captives that serve different needs, uh, single captive, group captive, risk retention groups. They all have different needs and they, they all have different business model. So InsurTech, they have to find a way to enter, to connect with the, the needs of the captive world. I think we can think uh, from a couple of areas, whether it's a digitization of the process, or it is a product design, such as using a new product, such as a parametric product, or it is about underwriting, or it is its, uh, you know, claims, more efficient claims services. So I think for InsurTech to, to be really play a, a more uh, important role in this captive space, uh, InsurTech need to have a better communication with the captive community and really understand the needs, where the pain points are, and then offer a solution. I think that's absolutely right. And that's uh, something I'm going to be repeating a lot, I think, this year, because I, the reason I've been keen to record this episode with you both at Seeker is, for me, there is that disconnect. And I can understand why it is, because as you say, if you're an insurtech startup or you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to target, it's much easier to target the commercial market because it's, it's, it's the scale is there. But if you're trying to focus on individual captives, as you say, they, they differ. Uh, they're of different types. They serve different purposes. And so it's probably not efficient as a business model for an insurtech startup to really try and get into the nitty gritty with captives because it's such a diverse pool. Yeah, and I think, that, Richard, one thing that we see, and we'll talk a little more about it um, during this episode, but one thing we see is InsurTech starting to explore how do they connect to the market, as Hong mentioned. Do you start with commercial? Do you pick something, and then do you want to be a risk-bearing entity in some way, shape, or form for the line of business or for a couple of lines of business for the market that you're trying to serve? Or are you just an intermediary? Do you do a platform technology platform, a digital platform, very efficiently and stay that way? Or do you actually dive in kind of head first and maybe dip your toe first into the insurance market and how do you do it? And that's where I see a lot of my insurtech clients are now considering, that's where the consideration lies. 
where do I stop or where do I position myself and how broadly do I expand and how quickly too. Are there obvious opportunities, Mike, you think the insurtech? I mean, there's obviously lots of opportunities out there. Are there one or two areas you think that the insurtech world really could tackle for captives to really deliver some, some value to, to improve efficiency? Because captive owners, they're looking for efficiency. That's probably what they're looking for first. They're obviously looking for better ways to find uh, fit for purpose insurance coverage. That's the reason they have a captive. But they're also, captives can, particularly when they're big, be quite cumbersome structures to manage. So what, what do you think maybe are a couple of like key opportunities that the insurtech world could be looking to address? Yeah, I think there's a, a kind of a two-prong uh, response here. First is what uh, value insurtechs can deliver to the captive industry broadly. And I think that's where, you know, with uh, proliferation of smart contracts, with blockchain, with everything else that we've seen from way back when with uh, types of products like InsureWave and others, insurtechs are helping captives operate more efficiently. So this is not insurtechs targeting a particular market, but targeting the operating model of the captive how contracts are signed, how quickly they're executed, how quickly you can expand into lines of business, how they're managed, the results, comparisons, AI behind the system. That is one part of it. And we see insurtechs looking at platforms that they can supply to potentially captive managers or other captive owners or other consulting firms to do their job better while uh, being relevant in the market um, on their platform. The second part is insurtechs that want to be and want to have a captive because they want to participate in the market. They're not only saying, I can do the process better, they're saying, because I can do the process better, I can also benefit from maybe taking on part of the risk yeah. and benefiting from that risk, maybe participating in the underwriting results, right? We have structures already in place that were in place for five, 10, 15 years with some of the, in some of the sectors where participants share in the underwriting results of a good underwriting year or share in the bad underwriting results if they need to contribute more money. InsurTechs are now starting to look, this is an additional revenue stream for me and I can do it potentially more efficiently than somebody else in the market. What I would like to add is uh, InsurTech in addition to the process and also maybe InsurTech can bring in new product innovation and a new use case for emerging risks, such as climate risk, uh, which is not a typical risk that's being handled by the, you know, the captive structure uh, per se. We know our corporations are all dealing with the, the mandate, if you will, from uh, various uh, stakeholders to come up with uh, a, uh, a good climate response strategy. And they are they are doing that at the board level, uh, boardroom level, doing that uh, through the drawing up the sustainability strategy. But in the meantime, uh, you have a a working and really efficient risk management framework, which is captive, that's not being plugged in together yet. So how do we how do we help you know uh, companies to manage this new risk, climate risk, through the captive? and through the new product, such as uh, parametric insurance. That is a, a, perhaps a new use case for the captive. Yeah, and it's a very interesting point that um, Hung brings up because in terms of how do you help companies manage risk better, we have companies, and we heard it at recent conferences, where companies and, and their risk managers, uh, the, their cap internal captive managers, spoke about use of telematics, use of things that they already have, whether it's 
auto manufacturers or other equipment manufacturers or uh, production, you know, supply chain type companies that have their fingers um, on, you know, their data much better than maybe their commercial carriers do. They know where their fleets are. They know where their supply chain may break down and something doesn't get produced or something gets, you know, incorrect mix or ratio of products put into it. They know all that data and all that telematics, all that AI that can analyze that provides a better risk management, which the companies have abundance of data. I mean, data is a huge asset. We've been talking about this for you know, nearly two decades and companies that realized this two decades ago are probably doing a little better now than the companies that are only starting to realize how much data they have and they can use. So that's where I think, to Hong's point, InsurTechs and InsurTech approach platforms can help captives be a better captive, better partner to the organization. So that's obviously, particularly what you talk about there is obviously very much related to the kind of first party uh, risk or the traditional risks that captives write. And one of the things we're seeing at the moment, and I keep using this term and people are going to get bored of me saying it uh, last year and this year, is kind of new generation of captive owners that we're seeing uh, enter the market, a lot of it primarily because of the hard market, but because also you've got new types of companies, whether it's cannabis companies, crypto companies, um, other high tech companies that the insurance market just is struggling to deal with. And so they're obviously embracing captives extremely quickly and with this new generation of captives we've seen more and more of them take on and begin with an entrepreneurial spirit you know increasing uh, participating participation in third party lines or being set up specifically to participate in third party lines mike do you think that companies that set up captives now you know in 2022 or in 2021 should be an r increasingly thinking about how they can make use of uh, the insure tech space. No, I, absolutely. And again, I've, I've seen clients and I deal with clients right now that are on both sides of the equation. Going back to my previous statement about telematics and availability of the data, we have clients that want to put insure tech platforms or pair up with an insure tech company that will allow them this very to build this very entrepreneurial captive, a, a different type of captive than we are used to with ALGL, PL, maybe workers, you know, things like that, that, that are bread and butter of the captive insurance market. On the other hand, I also have clients that found that listen to the consumers, not their consumers, but consumers and what consumers want, whether it's warranties, whether it's auto uh, type insurance. We've seen, you know, on LinkedIn announcements of new type of insurtech companies starting up in those spaces and other spaces. And these companies are listening to the consumer, listening to the people, what do they truly want? And they build insurtech platforms around that need, around that gap in the market, that disrupting the normal purchase of insurance. And all of a sudden you can do everything from your phone, which they're improving on, we already do a lot from our phones. It's faster, it's more nimble, it's tracked better, the access to data is much better. So these companies are now truly starting a new kind of a captive 2.0 phase where it's not just a, an insurance company that's not a commercial carrier. Now it's a true business technology intelligence partner in your organization or the insurtech is the one that owns the captive and they participate again in the potential profits of organizations or consumers that they deal with. Well, related to that, um, Tesla 
could Tesla be the become the biggest insurance company or the biggest insure tech or biggest captive player? Who knows? It's yeah. uh, but that's they are offering you know, insurance to their customers. To me, that's connected to, with uh, InsureTech, connected with uh, Captive. Right? Yeah, I, I'm, and we're seeing that with lots of high-tech companies. That, and what, where I'm interested to see where this goes is which ones of them actually use the same vehicle to do both their own traditional first-party risk in the Captive and also use the same vehicle to, whether it's in the case of Tesla, we insuring the customers' cars. I know they've set up separate insurance companies for that. But, you know, will they be mixing them? Will some companies want to mix that up so you get the diversification effect? Will some companies prefer to keep it apart? One's a kind of profit center captive. One is a, a cost center captive. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of what direction different companies go in because I imagine it won't, be, it won't be the same. So just to end then, what insure tech projects or initiatives or areas of focus are you both aware of? And this is a, a great chance, Hong, for you to tell us a bit, a bit more about Arbol that have become kind of a, a crossbreed of insure tech and, and the captive space. I'll, I'll start. Um, and, you know, may, I maybe just use um, my company Arbol as a as an example. So we come in here to offer uh, climate risk solutions to to corporates. So we we sell parametric products to protect climate risk and weather risks in the commercial market uh, already uh, in the by way of insurance and reinsurance. Uh, we set up captive vehicle just to facilitate that those type of risk management for the corporate clients when they have a need to manage their climate risk and we can not only provide the risk assessment, the, uh, the, the access to the climate data and uh, the structuring and the pricing of uh, protection, we could also bring a captive cell to them if they have such need to use that for climate-related risk, you know, captive transactions. And then we have, a, at the end, we provide reinsurance so that we sort of uh, have a full suite of solutions. Captive is, uh, is our sort of a connecting point with the corporate world uh, when it comes to managing climate risks. So you can work with the client. They might not have a captive and they might not want to participate at all, but if they have a captive, you can work with the existing captive, or if they don't have a captive but they're interested to participate, you can offer the, the cell facility to them. Yes, exactly. So any, any of the, uh, the sort of solutions we offer, they, they don't have to be bundled. They can be separate, you know, starting with the risk assessment, with the structuring and the pricing, with, uh, you know, captive use and also reinsurance, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I'm I'm sitting here and thinking that the most complex solutions are typically simple, and 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 solution maybe seem complex, but but it's really simple. And I'm looking at the coffee cup in front of me, and it has a coffee sleeve. And way back when, somebody years and years back got burned by grabbing a coffee cup, so somebody said, "Ooh, a coffee sleeve would be the greatest idea, right?" And now everyone has coffee sleeves. So when you think about some of the structures that I'm lucky enough and, and privileged enough to see from our clients, when you sit back and you think about it, it's like, wow, I mean, the technology is fantastic and it's super complex and uh, it's, I, you know, my head goes off to uh, those folks who create that and, and, and code those and make them work. But if you look at the solution, it boils down to they really listened to the customer, they understood what would be the most efficient solution, 
and maybe they drew it out on a piece of paper, and then, and that was 1%, but 99% behind it was technology and you know, smartest people in the world who created that. But the solution, the idea for the solution was pretty simple. How do we make this more efficient for our consumers? What do we want to do in order, what data do we need to analyze a particular line of business? We've heard in the automotive space where when you obtain insurance, that maybe parameters that you're being rated on are not the parameters that truly indicate whether you're a good or bad driver. We heard in you know, other uh, cases where maybe whether you have size of a company or, or you operate in a particular country no longer indicates whether you're going to have a supply chain risk. We have others that were potentially missed, as we see the global news now, that were risks and maybe were not properly insured, and now companies will deal with ramifications of that. So when you look at companies that truly figured out a way to listen to their consumers and then went back and backstopped it with technology, I think those are the companies that we see right now that really have something super valuable across the board, whether it's parametric risk or it's something more mundane like warranty or ad hoc, I'll call them ad hoc products that we as consumers may want to buy. Well, thank you to EY's Mike Rabstein and Hong Wo at Arbol for a great introduction to the InsureTech topic for captives. And as I said at the top of the episode, we will have plenty more to come throughout 2022. If you like more information on Friend of the Podcast's EY's Captive Services, then do visit their page on the globalcaptivepodcast.com website. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives. Captives.